to an exclusive podcast for the Whosoever community. We're so glad that you've become part of our community. I'm Candace Shalou Hodge, founder of Whosoever Magazine and this new Whosoever community. This podcast, along with other exclusive content and a chance to meet and mingle with other lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Christians and our straight allies are just a few of the perks of membership that we're offering. If you're enjoying the Whosoever community, please invite others to join us and tell others about our community on Facebook and other social media. We want to grow our community so we can come together to explore our faith with one another in a safe place without the fear of being condemned for who we are. Also, be sure to check in over at Whosoever Magazine for all the latest articles from our regular bloggers. That's at whosoever.org slash blog. Jennifer Knapp was fly fishing along the banks of a river somewhere in Middle Tennessee when the world learned that she was a lesbian. Rumors about the sexuality of the contemporary Christian music singer had been swirling around for years, especially after she quit her career during the height of her success and retreated into self-imposed obscurity. Had she quit the business because she was a lesbian? After all, Knapp herself, in her new autobiography, Facing the Music, My Story, acknowledged that contemporary Christian music artists are often held to a higher moral standard and seen as role models who represent Jesus. In her book, she writes, Every Christian artist's career rests in the hands of those who measure the integrity of their spiritual journey against their own idea of what a Christian is or should be. Fail to represent that standard to the right people, and your CD could sit on the shelf collecting dust, career over. For Knapp, however, ending her career was a matter of physical survival and not one of concerns over being judged on some moral failure. A grinding schedule of touring and recording had worn her down physically, mentally, and spiritually. It just so happened that Knapp's need to rest from the relentless demands of stardom coincided with a budding relationship between herself and a woman named Karen, a music show manager Knapp had met through the industry. The two were fast friends, and their relationship grew into much more when Karen became Knapp's manager to take her through her final year in the contemporary Christian music scene. It was that year, 2010, that her coming out story was orchestrated. Three interviews, one each with The Advocate, Christianity Today, and Reuters, would be released on the same day during Knapp's final tour before leaving the contemporary Christian music scene. Knapp received a text message from her management almost a month after the initial interviews, saying simply, It's official. You're out. In this interview, Knapp talks about her book and her hope for the future of the church and its LGBT members. I started the interview by asking Jennifer about a pattern in her life that I had noticed while reading her book. She would thrive when she had mentors, such as her high school band director, who helped her succeed in her trumpet playing, or Byron, her first manager, who helped her land a record deal. But when she felt abandoned, especially by her father, she turned inward and shrank from the world, turning instead to drinking and sex to deal with her pain. I wondered if she still saw this pattern in her life, that pattern of needing external praise or assistance to perform at her best. I, I think now that I've got a really good idea of my identity, just as a human being, uh, there's no like LGBT factor in that. I think that's that's a big deal. I mean, there is something to be said of, of knowing yourself and knowing and being honest with yourself about what works for you and what doesn't. And, you know, one way that I'm, I've kind of come to discover in my life is that, you know, at the very least, like for to go to like to a horoscope kind of thing about it, you know, as an Aries type personality where I'm like external deadlines and myself do really well. Like and <laughs> being, being externally motivated is a huge thing for me. And, you know, so that's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, who knows where that come from? You could argue, you know, that's a childhood thing or whatever, 
But at the end of the day, I'm really comfortable with getting to know that part of my personality, like, and even the pitfalls of that. So some of the pitfalls of that might might be, you know, I lean too heavily on some other human being mm-hmm. to make me feel really good about myself or really valued about myself. At the same time, you know, understanding that really some of my best work and some of my best motivation comes from being encouraged or having deadlines, you know, mm-hmm. that say you've got to get this done now. Like even when I'm perhaps not motivated by myself or not believing that I can do it by myself, finding the little tricks of the trade that are unique to my own personality. Part of the challenge of that in my lifetime has been learning to accept that those kinds of parts of myself. For example, like I'm not necessarily a self starter mm-hmm. and, and I know this. So if there aren't people around me to inspire and encourage me to continue to do that, then one of the things that I need to do is look for some, healthy ways to be able to be motivated but it is largely external so you know I don't know like I've I've spent a lot of time kind of trying to judge that and saying oh it shouldn't be that way but um, the more comfortable I've gotten over the years and kind of understanding that characteristic about myself I would tell you that it's allowed me to be really honest and be able to make some really healthy choices as opposed to you know some sections of the book like where you know I was just totally sleeping around and pouring booze down my throat Mm -hmm. you know I think there are ways that we can get a, a skew or kind of tilted off of something that you know on one way it's like the yin and yang of it you know there's one way of saying wow that personality traits really dark but you can also figure out and know these things about yourself and kind of use those for your own motivation so I guess that's just a long way to say and I, I, I think I'm not wholly different than I ever was probably when I was a kid I mean I still you know ex- external encouragement is a big factor for me. Mm -hmm. But when it's not there, what I've had to do is figure out how I can healthily do that in the lean years, you know, when there's perhaps a mentor in the waiting that I don't know about or somebody to externally praise. And I think the seven year hiatus was kind of one of those things where it pointed out for me the value of being able to find that alone time to be able to find the ways to kind of not manufacture, but rest in the security of knowing that you'll be okay even in those lean moments that sometimes you just got to regenerate by yourself in some really positive ways. And I think that we're, I think that's just as true probably for extroverts as well, but Mm -hmm. you'd have to read a book from an extrovert, I think. to (laughs) Figure that out. Yeah. To get the final vote on that. I don't want (laughs) to speak for extroverts everywhere. I've got enough problems on my hands for (laughs) speaking for a whole community at a time. I gotcha. But, but it also seems to mirror a pattern in most of the lives of LGBT people that I know. I mean, including myself, that when we are externally supported to be who we are, we tend to thrive. But when we don't have that support outside, then we tend to, to suffer, I believe. And I think that what your journey speaks to, what your personal journey speaks to, is that as LGBT people in particular, we have to come to this point where we do know without outside affirmation that we are okay and that we can make it. I love your point because I, it's, you're right. I, and I recognize that recurring theme as well. And I've, you know, not just in my own life, but I see it, you know, in groups of people when we're sitting around and talking about the issue. Mm-hmm. However, you know, one of, one of the things after I've kind of, I would tell you that I feel like I've kind of weathered that storm a little bit. Like there's no massive emotional surprises or I haven't experienced a massive emotional surprise in a long time about 
the confluence of like the sexual orientation issue in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody can come up to me and say something awful and I'm like, Oh, surprise, boring. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but all that being said is that one of the things that, that often that feels like when somebody targets a very specific thing about you that says, you know, you know, your butt's too big or (laughs) you're gay and I don't want you here or I don't understand you or I don't understand redheads or I don't, you know, I was an American living out of the country for years. I got an earful about (laughs) American politics and people didn't like me just because of my accent. Um, I found out later for other reasons other than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a joke. Uh (laughs) it's, It's really easy for us to lean on the things that are obvious where people start. And I think one of the themes about the book that I've kind of tried to, to not be really obvious about, but allow to kind of fester underneath of that is that we all have those things. Mm-hmm. And when we're externally motivated, when we are praised, when we are encouraged, when we do have mentors in the hard times and even you know the people who speak some kind of quote unquote truth to us, whether that truth works for us or not, mm we're going to experience that in life. And I really wanted to try hard in the book to show examples of that, that weren't just centered around my sexual orientation. Right. And where I learned that in places that were both damaging and helpful to me in places that weren't just my sexual orientation. And by the time I got to the issue of my sexual orientation, functioning in the same manner, like similar to my parents in some way, similar to being on the stage in some way, similar to the challenges that I had just in faith community, regardless of the sexual orientation issue. What I found in my own experience was that my sexual orientation was just another one of the many ways that it's really important to have encouragement. That as a human being, we all prosper when we have compassion in our lives, not just from other people, but to ourselves. And the value of that and the detriment of that when we suffer. And so it's it's kind of a weird thing because when, when I talk about LGBT issues, one of the things that I'm really excited about is when I see that connectivity, when I'm talking about a story and realizing that that's not just an LD, LGBT story. Right. That's not... It's that it doesn't hurt be necessarily because you're gay. It hurts because it's human nature to need and support outside, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Being supported is fundamental to finding health and happiness. And it's not, you know, we all need that regardless of our sexual orientation. That's exactly the kind of support you can find at the Whosoever community. And when you join, you can listen to the rest of this interview with Jennifer Knapp, where she explores other topics, including what she believes is the core of LGBT justice. Joining the Whosoever community is simple. For a mere $5 a month or $50 a year, you can have access to great podcasts like this one, along with other exclusive features, including message boards, live events, e-courses, and more. You can join us by going to whosoever.org slash community. We look forward to seeing you there.